Hello and welcome to Raw Chatter, the stuff that matters. I am your host, Vicky Midwood, and I am bringing you this podcast bi-weekly. We will be talking to guests and I will be talking on my own alternately all about subjects that we want to bring to the forefront of conversations. This is non-censored stuff on subjects that perhaps we don't talk about enough and I truly believe that nothing should be taboo and the more we can talk about things, the more we can bring things into the open, the more we can be totally honest about how we feel and what we think without worrying about judgment from other people, the better. So thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is. Welcome to Raw Chatter, the stuff that matters. I am your host, Vicky Midwood, and I have got an amazing guest with me today. Helen is a coach and a carer, and she's going to explain a little bit more about what got her to doing what she does now. We're talking burnout and beyond. So, Helen, over to you. Hi, Vicky, and everyone else that's listening. It's lovely to be here today. Um, so, yeah, for me, I have always been a carer. That has, I realise, um, having gone through some of the things I've gone through, that caring is um, in my nature. That's just who I am. Um, I worked in care for 25 years, and during that time, I forgot to look after myself. Right. So exactly. just for people listening, just give them a clue as to what kind of area of care you kind of were working in. So I work supporting adults with learning disabilities. And then later on, I supported um, older people's care. So I worked in care homes, um, supported living, various different places. Um, ultimately, I then became a manager and an operations manager in care as well. Right. Um, was this like in private um, homes or was this part of the government scheme for carers or how, what kind of what arena? So I started off working for the NHS and then later on worked for non-profit organisations. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And a mixture of working in people's homes and working in care homes as well. Right. So and for, for those people listening, just help them to understand the myriad of roles that you have to kind of think about and include when you are caring for somebody, because it's not just showing up and saying, hi, how are you? You know, and it, and it just it is so much more, isn't it? So help us to kind of maybe create a day in the life of, of what a carer actually has to do, because it's it's full on, isn't it? Oh, gosh, yeah. A carer has to be everything for people. You know, you support people with all aspects of their daily care. So from, you know, uh, getting dressed, uh, what food people have, taking them out to, um, to have fun, um, helping them go to appointments. We kind of, you know, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, all of those things, <laughs> you know. Amazing. We are everything to that person. Um, we are there to support them to um, do what they want to do in life and do the things that they can't do for themselves as well. Right. Um, so, you know, we have to get to know them really, really well. We know them obviously quite intimately because we're doing personal care with them. We get to know their families as well. And we have to we have to be a confidant for them as well. Right. Um, 
So, you know, they need to trust whoever you're working with. They need to trust us. That is really, really important. So we can be doing everything and anything for someone, you know, from um, supporting them directly to cleaning, washing, cooking, uh, booking appointments, um, helping them send emails, phoning their families, or you name it, we help them to do it. So anything that you and I do in our lives, I supported people over the years to do all of those things. Wow. That means then that for you, you're always switched on. And and from client to client and person to person, you've got a, an awful lot of stuff that you, I'm assuming, have to remember about, you know, what they like, what they need help with, what the names of the family members are and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, the, the things you end up knowing and remembering is quite impressive. I mean, you know, at one point I was working in a 90 bed home for older people and like, you know, I knew who all the people that lived in the home, their families, the staff that worked in the home. And I I look at it now and I'm quite amazed about the things you know. Because as a manager of a home, you can't know every little thing. But carers who work directly with people will know even more about that person as well. Wow. Um, and I, I started work as a carer and worked in many different roles before I became a manager. So I totally understand what carers are doing on the day-to-day as well um, and, the, and the things they need to know and remember because actually knowing someone really well makes a difference to someone's day about whether they have um, a positive day or a challenging day as well sometimes, especially when we're working with people. So for me, when I work with adults who have a learning disability, for some of those people, they um, were autistic, so therefore routine and how I responded to them was really, really important. And if I didn't respond in the right way, that could um, distress them. Um, mm-hmm. Same with um, people with dementia as well. Um, it's a, a similar thing. You've got to be, with people with dementia, you've got to be where they're at at the time. So we, I might be back in the 50s at the moment, you know, <laughs> um, and being in that sort of place. So having a good knowledge of different things as well is really, really important. So, yeah, we we learn and know so much stuff as carers. It's incredibly diverse, isn't it? But also the hours. So I'm guessing you, if you're going to have to help somebody get up and out of bed, you know, what, what kind of time does the day start and what time does it finish? Um, well, it's t- care is 24 hours. They're generally shifts. They're generally morning shift starts about seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and then the night shift would start about nine o'clock at night. Um, so we have, um, you have people awake all the time to support in care homes. And so people can get up when they want, have a cup of tea when they want, you know, do whatever they need to do. Obviously, we try to get people to sleep because sleep is really important. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if someone's used to getting up at five o'clock every morning and that's what they do, then that's what we do with people as well. Wow. It's trying to help them to live the life as they choose to live it. So within that whole care and you're obviously it's very much you're looking after the people in the, and the persons that are, have been assigned to you or if you're in a home, whoever needs care in, at that moment in time. So when do you actually or do you ever have a structure in your day where do you get time to actually go to the loo yourself or have a cup of tea or have your own lunch? Or are you always like switched on and not able to do stuff for yourself? 
And that's the big thing. Um, always switched on. Even when I wasn't at work, I was switched on thinking, did I remember to do this? Are they okay at work? You know, is my phone going to ring? What's going to happen? Um, yeah, I always laugh is like cake kept me going for a very long time. Um, you know, cold tea and cake and biscuits, because certainly in um, in a lot of care homes, we have a lot of cake and biscuits um, for the people living there, ideally. <laughs> um, yeah. But often we would be on the run all the time doing things and you just grab whatever's handy. So not looking after ourselves very well. Um, you know, at one point, I remember as a manager at one point, my place to have some time out was the toilet. Wow. That was the only place nobody wanted me, needed me or something. It's the only place I could get a bit of peace and quiet. Gosh. Right. Um, and I'm guessing, how do you, I mean, do you get chance to, to speak to colleagues? Because I'm thinking if people in a work environment, they, they can like have a little chat in the canteen or maybe go to a staff room or something. But you're very much on your own, aren't you? It's quite difficult because you are working alongside other people. But obviously you have to think about what you're talking about all the time because you're around the people you care for. Um, so, you know, for some people, if the if um, when you have a break there, we, we would have a space to have a break um, right. and, you know, there'd be a room you could go for a cup of tea and things like that. So we would in certainly encourage people to have breaks. But um, when you had them and at what time can be quite difficult, depending on what's going on at the time. But, yeah, it's it's quite difficult to really talk about things unless you get away from the people you're caring for. Um, I imagine that conversations themselves, you've got to be really careful about voicing your own opinions because you potentially could upset some people that you're looking after, couldn't you, without realising that that's what's going on. So mentally, as well as physically, it must have been really, really exhausting. Yeah, very much so. Very much, um, very exhausting. And this is the big thing that brought me to burnout. You know, I was busy caring for everyone at work. And then I ended up caring for people in my life at home as well. We had people in the family that were unwell too. And my life was all about caring for people. Um, and that's what often happens with carers because that because that's what we do. We forget to care for ourselves and then we care for everybody else. Right. Um, and you kind of ignore what's going on for you. And, and that's and, a familiar story, I'm, so, I'm sure, for a lot of people listening who aren't necessarily carers, but they can resonate with what you've said. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just carers. It's just my experience is in a care background. And um, I've seen it in many, many cases for people not caring for themselves first. And I have always tried to support carers to look after themselves first. Um, and that was always my thing was look after my team, care for my team. And actually, if you care for your team, then they will be able to work better and function better. Right. Um, but I sort of I forgot to care for me as well at the same time. <laughs> well, I suppose um, if you're at the top of the team, there's nobody above you. So it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? So what did burnout look like for you? How did it feel? How did you know? Did you even know it was burnout? Oh, no, 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 no. And I was in complete denial. <laughs> complete denial. I was just like, yeah, we're going to get through this. Just keep moving forward. Everything's going to be okay. Um, it manifested in physical illness for me. 
Right. Um, I would have every cold, every cold that went round, I'd get it and I'd get it again. Various viruses, nothing ser too serious, fortunately for me. Um, but my body was certainly telling me to stop, to rest. Um, mm. I mean, I was in denial. I had labyrinthitis at one point, um, which for anyone that's had that knows that that can make you dizzy. And I literally would drive to work, which took me about 40 minutes to drive to work. I would get out the car and I remember zigzagging across the car park. Wow. Because I was so dizzy from the labyrinthitis that I zigzagged across the car park. People might have thought I was drunk. Um, and I would got into work and was like, right, I just need to sit down. It's okay. I've got time before I start work. I'll just sit down and stop being dizzy and then I'll carry on. Wowzers. And I did that. And probably because also the doctor said to me, it's better to keep moving. But I don't think I didn't really explain what exactly what I did. do. Right. <laughs> so yeah. just, for, just for people to get clarity, labyrinthitis is what? Um, so it's an inner ear virus. Yeah, um, and it is actually a virus that that yeah. that people need to know. It's 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 not something like vertigo, which people think is you know unexplained and blah blah blah. Actually, it's not. But it is actually a virus, and so what that's telling you very clearly is cold after cold plus labyrinth. Your immune system is basically tanked. Yes. So yeah. my immune system was completely tanked, but I kept going. Right. Uh, going forward and going forward to the point that unfortunately I um passed out at work. Oh my gosh, whoa. Yeah, it took that. I mean, my husband and some of my friends kept telling me I need to take some time out, I need to look after myself, that I wasn't well and all this. I'm like, oh, it's just a virus, it's fine, I'm gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly in denial, but passing out at work wasn't great. Um, I remember sitting in a training session and we were being trained and I was sat in the room and I could feel my head and it was like my head was going to explode. And I took myself to the toilet and come back in like going, it's OK, it's, there's only another hour. It'll be fine. I'll take some tablets or something. And then I was walking down the stairs to go back to the office. And one of the carers, she took my arm and she said, I'm just going to hold your arm. You've got ever so pale. Wow, so she could really see in your face and in your skin colour that you were no yeah. way near able to function yeah. properly at all. Yeah. And she walked to the office with me and I made it to the office and then and fainted into my chair, basically. Um, and uh, I mean, they called an ambulance for me because they didn't think it was normal, obviously, for me to do that. Um, I was quite, I was like, I'm all right, I'm fine, I'll be fine, I'm just feeling a bit unwell, everything will be okay. So Helen's um, still in denial. I'm still in complete denial. The ambulance, the paramedics were wonderful, they checked me out, they thought that I probably had an infection at that point. Um, uh, they thought I had um, possibly tonsillitis or something as well, because it was all in my throat, my head, everywhere. Right. Um, and so phone call was made to my husband to come pick me up from work because there was no way anyone was going to let me drive and um I went to the doctor that the on-call doctors because it was the weekend no infection apparently on the Monday morning I went to my own doctors um and burst into tears on him and I just sat there crying and he said to me you're depressed Helen and I was like no no I'm not I'm physically unwell yeah. something's wrong with me and he was like Basically, your virus after virus, your, your immune system shot, 
Mm. You need to stop and you need to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, oh my gosh, I thought I I felt like a complete failure. And this I, is powerful, isn't it? Because we believe that us not being able to carry on is somehow a, a, a sense of us not being enough, not being good yeah. enough, that we've let other people down, that we've let ourselves down. And this is where we've got to understand that this kind of thinking is the stuff that keeps us stuck in a society that is sick and overworked. And it's not helpful to anybody. Your body was giving you little clues. It was whispering when it kept yeah. catching colds and we we just ignore it. And then it started to shout because the colds kept coming back and it's going, I'm shouting at you. He's still not hearing you. Now I'm going to scream. Right. And it was screaming at you when it gave you the labyrinthitis. And you went, you're still not listening. So now I'm going to blooming make you listen. I'm going to make you pass out. And this is what your body actually does. And it's going, are you going to take some notice of me? But once we know that that's what's going on, it emotionally and mentally allowing yourself to be able to do that. That's a whole other story, isn't it? So how did you help yourself to be OK with realizing that? You were a human being who needed to rest. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't want anybody to know whatsoever. <laughs> but I was willing to do whatever the doctor suggested and advised me to do. Um, and that's the one thing with me is that when I, if, if something happens, I want to know how to fix it. <laughs> so I was willing to do and try whatever I was told to do. So the doctor said, you need to take time off work. And he was very clear that that time off work was if I needed to sleep, fine. But he didn't want me to stay at home just because I was signed off work. Didn't mean I couldn't go out. Right. And, you know, I had he, he sent me for counselling, um, CBT. Uh, he told me to go out, spend time with family and friends, just have some fun, try and enjoy myself as well. Obviously, plenty of rest, too, to get myself well and look after myself, you know, go for a walk every day, eat eat well and all of those sides of things cool um and I did that and I just tried different things um I had I'd had coaching through work as well as a manager um I'd had coaching too so I just started trying different stuff right and that's um, such an important message for people to hear because you have to be willing which is what you were to to listen to somebody else's advice and to actually try stuff and see how it felt how does it work is it is it good am I enjoying it all of those things and just allowing yourself to go to counseling and to just be a part of something a little bit different and that got you into actually wanting to be a coach didn't it yes yeah it did um, my friend um, introduced me to an organization called one of many and I went along to their conference as well um, and I absolutely loved it and signed up to be do their coaching training and as a as a manager I always had quite a coaching approach with my team um, and so for me that felt like the right thing to do and I did it to use in my job not to become a coach I did it because I thought that would help me as a manager to support carers and everyone else in the team to look after themselves and not end up like me right um, you know, I, I didn't want other people to end up like I did. And I could see lots of people around me, you know, in similar situations to myself. I can imagine. Um, you know, it's not unusual at all. 
Um, and yeah, I really, and so that's why I became a coach. And coaching was the one thing that really, really helped me. I really liked the coaching because it made me think, it made me stop and think about what, what I was thinking, what I was feeling and what I could do to change that. Right. And it's um, very much about you getting to know you, isn't it? Yes. In a way that you've not necessarily ever looked or known yourself before because a coach gets to help you to see what they can see, but you can't. Um, and that's a big skill that is going to bring so many benefits when especially when you're in a position of of a leader in that environment so tell me how then you've you've moved on to actually making this your whole life's work so i am um, I, I carried on um working in care in management i i worked in um a few care homes failing care homes and helped um support them to turn around so i carried on with quite a stressful job initially right um, but was much more aware of how I was, um, but then decided that actually that wasn't the way to live. That wasn't the right way for me to live. I couldn't do that anymore. So I, I actually stepped away from care, right. um, took some time out, ended up doing a job um, working for the organisation I did my coaching for. Oh, brilliant. Started working for them, and I, I still do work for them, but I needed to have coaching skills to do the job working in the customer services and sales team we use our coaching skills for that. So I, I started doing that. I met um, a lady called Marilyn through one of many. Um, we were talking on the phone one day and she was saying about how, about asked me what I, what my background was. And I told her and she said, Oh my gosh, I'm working with carers. Um, she supported someone um, who had live in carers and she supported the carers quite a lot. And she, she was like, how did you find that? And we ended up having this conversation that, basically went okay let's talk again yeah and we have started working together um and created a company called pastora um which means shepherdess love it <laughs> and um basically what we are doing we're, it's all very new but our um our mission is to uh nurture inspire engage and guide carers to care for themselves and oh, what we was brilliant and what we want to do is we want to connect with care organisations who are open to bringing us in to work with their teams, to coach the teams and train the teams. So we've put together a programme for doing that. Having a background in care, I know um, the things that carers need to be trained on. So our coaching and everything entwines with that as well. But it's about getting the carers to be able to care for themselves first yeah and that's such an important message and you learned the hard way yeah. that it you cannot keep on treating your body like it doesn't matter because you're too busy looking after other people without being able to look yeah. after you you end up actually not being great at looking after others and that's not who you want to be is it so when you decided to to get in what how has it been received because I, I would imagine that because you went back into it and you decided that actually the stress load and you didn't want to any longer be in that scenario so how are you able to see where people can actually make some maybe subtle but but definite changes in how they are running their day-to-day -day and looking after themselves if they are a carer 
Yeah, so for me, um, one of the big things was, and this is one thing I brought in with the team, was just like when you could see something was going on and people are a little bit stressed, it was like getting people to just stop for a moment. Right. Just stop for that one moment. And I would literally, and you need someone to do it for you, I would literally say, Vicky, just stop. And let's just take a couple of breaths. Yeah. <laughs> let's take a moment. And then I'd be like, right, is anybody seriously hurt? Do we need to emerge, do anything emergency-wise now? They go, no. I go, okay. Right. Let's take some time. Now, what do you need right now? And mm. they'd probably just go, blah, 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 loads of things at me going, so-and-so's doing this and so-and-so wants that and I can't do the other. But it, it's just trying to bring them back down. But you need someone to do that for you. So, like, having a buddy who's going to support you to do that will be really key for people. Perfect. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing is and having your breaks. Yeah. Because actually, you know, things can wait. Things aren't an emergency. I know we're looking after people and the people we're looking after think we should drop everything straight away to support them. But actually, if we stop being reactive all the time, yes things become calmer and and that's how we get we get reactive because you've got all these people wanting things for you and you just react 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 and and then you don't really give your full attention to people and you're you don't have a drink you don't have something to eat so then you get grouchy and you're tired and all of that and actually you're not bringing the best of you to other people no, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to you as the carer. Right. And it doesn't feel good for the person on the receiving end because without realising it, you potentially are going to be a little bit more abrupt, a little bit less fully attentive. And so you maybe mishear things. And right. and all of that is if we could just slow the fudge down. <laughs> but also, I think part of it, and this is why I'm loving what you're doing and the fact that, you know, you've got, if you like, you've been in the trenches, you understand exactly what the carers have to deal with and what the expectations are. And a lot of the time, we end up as leaders not realizing that we're just perpetuating the faults in a, in a way of being and doing a, a job that actually need to be changed. And one of those is changing the expectations of the client. Because yeah. if we're always reacting because they are demanding and, and every time they demand, we do react, we are teaching them that it's okay to be so demanding. No, it's not. It's yes. not okay to be so demanding. And if we can teach them to be patient, that we will get to them, that we have heard them, but they just need to understand that we are doing other things as well. And as you said, nothing's a disaster nothing's an emergency nobody's going to die if you have to wait another few minutes that perhaps you might like to to have the thing that you're after and it's that isn't it that you're helping people to to learn to do in a way that feels okay to them yes yeah, yeah. And that's it, a big thing it's got, to, it's got to feel okay for you to do that as well because if it doesn't feel okay for you then you're still bringing on that that energy is still there that negative yeah. energy is still there isn't it so yeah, yeah absolutely and so when you're working with organizations are you are you looking for specific areas or is it are you looking like nationally are you looking for organizations to contact you how, how would you like people to get in touch with you 
Oh, so we are looking to connect with social care organisations across the country because we can do this work um, virtually or in person um, with groups of care. And we're looking to work with groups of carers. We realise, you know, I I understand the finances of care. And, um, you know, we can't afford to give carers one-to-one care, but we can put some money in for their well-being and support them to support other as well right um so yeah i'm looking to connect with people in care organizations who are open um to having a chat even if you want to even if you just want to have a chat to give us some guidance about what you think would work for us and how we can get connected with organizations that would be amazing and if you're really interested in um us coming and doing some work for you um that would be really great too Fantastic. So share with people how they can connect with you, Helen. Um, so you can connect with me. We now have a basic website in place, which cool. is pastora.co.uk. Great. Um, and I also I have an email address, which is helen.gruber at pastora.co.uk as well. Fantastic. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram as Helen Gruber. So there's lots of places to connect. Loads of ways to connect. And and, and I think the overall message is that if you are a carer, connect. If you are within a caring organisation, also connect. Because the more we can help each other, support each other within this world of caring, because you are carers because you care about other people that's why you chose to go into that profession in the first place so let's come together and really care for each other have you got any last words you'd like to leave our listeners with a word of wisdom or just a word of encouragement or what would you like to say oh i think you know if you are a carer that is awesome and you are doing an awesome job just remember that you are doing an awesome job And it's really hard. Um, But please take a moment. Please check in with yourself um, and see how you are feeling as well. And reach out for support. Reach out. I would not talk about this. um, But please talk about how you're feeling and what you need. It's really, really important. Brilliant. What a great message. So there you go, folks. Reach out. Ask for help. You are important and you are doing an amazing, amazing job. Helen, it's been absolutely delightful to chat with you. And folks, please do contact Helen. If you are within a caring organisation, please get in touch. It is so important that we all get on board to help each other help each other. Have a great day, whatever time of day it is for you. Enjoy it. Take care of you. I have been Vicky Midwood. I still am. And I'll see you on the next one. See you later. Bye-bye.